You're listening to the Building Stronger Agents podcast, where we interview the top solo agents, team leaders, and brokers across the country to see what makes them thrive in today's market and beyond. Welcome back to the Building Stronger Agents podcast. I'm Will Penny, and today we have one of my friends all the way over in Oahu, Hawaii, and his name is Derek Okahashi. He's been in the business for just three years. And uh, we're going to get into how he's done $55 million in sales his third year in the business, and he's grown a team. So without further ado, Derek, tell us all about yourself, man. How'd you get into the business and uh, how'd you end up here? Yeah, thanks, Will. Um, Well, I ended up here. I heard Will on a podcast and he was talking about a specific team model that he runs. And um, I, I thought, man, I've been thinking about this same model because scaling out a team is hard, you know, producing and scaling are two different things. And uh, I think the quicker agents can learn that and producers can, can acknowledge that the better. Um, so scaling has its pains. I think I was probably feeling one of those pains around that time. I heard Will on a podcast. I said, I have to talk to this guy. So I reached out to him. Yeah, um, friends. It's good. So you, yeah, you got sure. in the business. You said you got your license in 2019, then COVID hit. Like what? Yeah. Uh, you said you're 38. What did you do before real estate, like leading up to real estate? Uh, so I did a bunch of nothing for my first few years out of high school. I partied and chased girls and whatnot. And then uh, joined the Coast Guard. I turned 22 in boot camp. I uh, did six years active and then oh, nice. went to x-ray school. Uh, became an x-ray tech. Uh, I worked at Stanford Children's Hospital. I, I still have an affinity for sick kids i just i loved it um I, I i would go back and just work a day or two for free here and there if they let me do it that way but as w2s go you don't have that kind of freedom right um so now we just donate um and then a bunch of stuff happened uh in between uh i owned a business uh a, a brazilian jiu-jitsu clothing and lifestyle brand sold oh, it cool. to focus on x-ray yeah so i sold that and people would say, you're a business guy. Why don't you do business? And I was like, no, I'm not. I, I didn't realize it. Um, I was like, I just make these shirts and these, and I just have this big international brand. Uh, and so I, I sold it, but in the x-ray bullpen, all I'd be talking about is investments and no, you shouldn't buy a whole life or you should look at this product or whatever. And people was like, why don't you do that? And I said, well, when I move back to Hawaii, I will. And uh, one thing led to another. We came back to Hawaii. I got my license almost immediately. And um, for the first year, I didn't really do much. I just I hung my license with my mother-in-law because I thought, you know, better splits and it wasn't a, it wasn't the right move. And so for a year, I put one deal together. I put one deal together. She did the whole thing. I didn't learn anything. And um, for six million bucks. No, <laughs> no. no. It was, it was actually a small, it was like 500,000, but, uh, you know, that's all, I didn't do anything. I just, I was still doing x-ray, but I hated it at the kind of at the adult hospital here in Hawaii. And I, they wanted me to be a manager, but I said, no. So I went to part-time and then on call and then I just wasn't really doing anything. And then, uh, COVID happened and I said, you know what, if I, if I work as hard as these people work at this job with my branding, uh, obsession and my business obsession i i don't know how this real estate thing works exactly but i think i can make it and uh so i found a a mentor here in hawaii and we partnered up and um took out went on a tear you know first eight first eight months seven months or so did like 10 million 10.5 or something and that was at the beginning of uh 2020 yeah, so I signed on with my Remax brokerage uh, April fifteenth or April twentieth. Uh, so how did it COVID look in Hawaii? Just out of curiosity, how did the COVID shutdown look like there? We're about as bad as you can get. You know, Hawaii is a um, a blue state. You know, to bring politics into it, but in very kind of, but in a different way than like California or New York. Like we're we have a strong Eastern influence. So, you know, before this, the only people you'd see wearing a mask were like from somewhere in the East, you know, somewhere in Asia, right? Because they had gone right. through pandemics. Yeah. And so that being a part of our culture, I mean, to this day, uh, COVID is still uh, more of a thing here than most places. So it, we were like shut down, shut down. Um, were you allowed to show houses for there? For a period of time, no. And then it was like you had to fill out a waiver and sanitize and like an hour in between showings. And, you know, there were 
there was in it to this day there's still some brokerages with a different climate and some individuals who kind of approach it a little more strict um but it yeah needless to say it was tough to do business but uh i just burned the you know burned the boats and and went all in and uh i read this chinese proverb that uh what is it there's a character but it's like the chinese symbol for uh opportunity and for disaster or something like that is the yeah. same symbol oh the uh, opportunity and disaster the same symbol so it's something like that i know i'm messing it up because that's not exactly no but there's a very there's only a couple of quick changes between opportunity and disaster potentially yeah yeah so i just bought into that and it just went for it so when what does went for it look like i know you're 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 big into physical fitness you're a very straightforward black and white guy which is why we get along and uh yeah what like COVID's there, everything's shut down. You decide I got to, I'm going to make some money selling houses. You got to 10 million. I know we joke around about your average sale price there, but like, what did you actually do right out of the gate to, to start? Like, what did you do? You know, so the sales process is no like trust, right? And so many people in conflate like and trust. And so I just started having conversations. I started letting people know what I was doing. Um, also my, the brokerage that I was with, like they ran it like a team ridge, you know, like the broker owner also ran it kind of like a team and it was small. Yeah. And so they were paying for Zillow. So I got, I had, as I was coming over, um, I had a sphere deal that I was putting together. And so I started with that couple of Zillow leads just to, and I didn't even know the contract at this point, you know, like right now I would argue that, I can be as crafty as anyone with the contract, but I didn't even know what the sections were at the time. Um, so I did a couple of team deals, a couple of personal deals, and just started posting on social media about it and then getting myself into conversations. Um, and I remember there's this guy, he's, he's killing now. He also, he was, he came to our brokerage and he had already had a couple of years of experience or a few years. And he was, I saw how smart he was. I saw his potential, but he didn't see his, you know, I probably didn't see mine. And, uh, He's like, how are you getting listings? You're like in your first six months. How are you getting listings? And I was like, dude, you're smarter than I. You, you just tell, show people the opportunity cost of waiting or you know, just talk numbers, speak finances, either dumb it down or, or, or elevate the conversation if that's what they want. Like really, I didn't understand. I was saying adjust to their disc profile. But um, I was like, you just have good conversations and show that you're the expert and and run the numbers and help them you know help them and i didn't really frame it to him because i didn't have the the experience behind me to to shift his paradigm but later right. he did and he started he started killing too but um yeah man the, those first few months or the first six seven eight months was just having conversations posting on social doing anything and everything the team asked me you know i had a a, a policy that for one year i wasn't going to say no to anything even if i thought it was a a, a bad situation or a junk lead or whatever i was like for one year i'll say no to nothing um that's fair i maybe i maybe only made it about six months <laughs> but uh <laughs> for you to throw some limits on it yeah there's some limits on it but that's just what i did for the first six seven eight months well with your background yeah. in jujitsu you're probably a very methodical guy and you know how to stick with stuff otherwise because if you can't stick with jujitsu you're going to get your butt kicked so so a couple of things. Um, not really like um, producers tend to be scattered, emotional, all over the place type of personalities. I'm no different. But what I think what jujitsu, surfing, basketball for some people, maybe ultras for you, like you catch an obsession. So I'm not methodical if I'm not interested. They wanted to kick me out of high school. They told my parents uh, he's extremely smart. He could get straight A's if he wanted, but he's just disruptive and can't pay attention and does enough just to get C's. And I loved real estate because I went, I walked into an industry where they said, we're just like you. <laughs> like all of us are just, all of us top producers are just like you come, come be with us. Um, one thing I said earlier to the scattered thing, uh, people conflate trust and, and like, so it's yeah. no like trust. If I, I had started businesses. So when I came back to Hawaii, I started an x-ray staffing business. So I would staff the local surgery center with techs and, 
I started the LLC, had the errors and emissions insurance. Um, I understood index universal life, whole life, infinite banking, um, syndications. I, I was obsessing on these things for years and even starting businesses. And so when I enter my first few real estate conversations, I was already someone that someone could trust. So if you were bagging groceries at Safeway yesterday, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, but then like the CFO of a bank or, or a CPA and you guys, you know, are competing, you guys both get your license at the same point. It's not, it's not a, it's not the same thing. It's not apples and apples. So right. um, I would, what I would say to people is don't forget that, you know, to help your clients at the highest level and to earn trust, not just like, cause they're two different things. Uh, be an obsessive expert on all things finance and real estate and investing, which is what develops trust. That's what develops the trust. So like if your surgeon is kind of a dick and like drives a nice car and like right. doesn't really treat the staff too well, but you have an aneurysm and they're the best person for it. You don't really care. Right. You don't, I'm not you saying like anyone, you, but you trust him. Yeah. So you, you should treat the janitor like the CEO. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't mean to, no, I completely that understand up. that part. But I you, you got to trust is where it comes from. So that knowing that like, it, it's important, but being an expert is really important too. But in our so business, I, I would say we are in sales. You And I have to work at it. You have to be likable too. But trust. You do it. it trust it has to trump it. Trust has to trump it. You, you may never get to the home plate, you know, to get to the finish line of no like trust without the trust. But if you're super likable, enough people will work with you to. Oh, to there's, make I know tons well. of agents that are really likable and they're completely unreliable and they do well anyway. Yeah, yeah. So both, but imagine if you can be both, right? If you can be likable oh, yeah. and be a, a real expert. And so um, I w- actually wouldn't even say I've always been the most likable guy. It's not been my track record. But in x ray, I, I, I maybe got along with half the people and then. You know, half the people love me, half the people didn't or whatever in terms of the staff. But when that sick mom with like a sick kid came in the room and just got a diagnosis and a prognosis and now they need x-ray or they, they need me to help. And they right. um, they felt good that I took control. I was obsessed with my craft. Uh, I, the mission was bigger than me, you know, all those things. And uh, real estate kind of has allowed brought me to that right into real estate. Too. Yeah, man. So it's been, so, uh, it's been cool. Let's fast forward. One of the things that I've found intriguing about you is you talk, you seem to talk about uh, YouTube a lot. I'm an old school guy. I'm starting to become new school, but how did you start getting into YouTube? What did that look like? And where has that brought you today? Yeah. So after I went on that run of, you know, 10 million real quick, I kind of slowed down. Uh, I actually had a girl. She is one of my high school classmates' cousins. She she wanted to join the brokerage just to follow me around. Mm-hmm. And then she she joined, and was like, "Can I go on your meetings and your appointments?" And I was like, "I don't have any. I don't. I don't have anything. I don't. I was dead in the water. I don't have an elite. I don't have a lead. I don't have an appointment. Um, There's nothing to shadow. <laughs> nothing to shadow. Like you come." sit at the couch, sit on the couch with me and scroll Instagram, you know, but, uh, <laughs> and I, and I wasn't really one that enjoyed cold calling or door knocking. I mean, I'll do it if, if that dry spell continued for too much longer. And I like, I'll make a thousand calls today. If I have to, I have that kind of grit. Right. But, right. uh, I wouldn't, I didn't prefer to. And so my, my vision moving back to Hawaii, whether it was to crush in real estate or do something else, was to like be the Joe Rogan of Hawaii. Like I want a podcast and I didn't really know I'd be a YouTuber, but I just wanted to build a brand because uh, that's what excites me the most. So I want to build a brand, be an expert in business and help people. And the YouTube thing started coming up. There's only a few players in the country doing it when I started. Now there's a lot more. Um, but I saw this opportunity to build brand, be creative. You know, to me, business is art and it's, it's the creative part of business that I love so much, not necessarily the, the numbers. So I'm a visionary, not an integrator. And um, I, I just saw this opportunity to create brand and, and build, build a huge brand with. Right. So how do you, the, for those of us who were like, 
where this is just like Charlie Brown's teacher, what is the formula to creating a successful YouTube channel for a real estate agent? If your goal so isn't just to become an influencer, but you want to actually use it to generate, to build the trust and generate business, what did you do? Um, and I'd like to hear about some of the mistakes you made that you probably would have done differently. Yeah. So, I mean, first become an expert, become an obsessed expert. So I listened to hundreds of bigger pockets podcasts because I was going to be an investor. And then I listened, I started like, well, you can build this property management company. So I listened to, I had a whole period of time where I was obsessed on building that company and then, you know, form a few LLCs, fail, you know, do all this stuff. And then when it comes time to build the YouTube channel, I, one of the reasons I see most people fail doing YouTube is they try to do it all themselves. And I get it because if you don't have the, le the revenue leading in front of you from from doing real estate and, and closing all these deals, you probably yeah, right. don't want to invest in this really expensive YouTube endeavor. That makes sense. On the other hand, on the other hand, if you're already making money and you got something that's working that would fund the YouTube thing, you may just stick to that thing that's working. And so what you mostly get is people who are like me, either they're in a slow period or they're just getting started. So they're the ones willing to do YouTube, but they're not necessarily the ones willing to invest in a media partner. And so my simple recipe, and actually we started a, a Facebook group called uh, Seven Figure YouTube for Agents. And um, we're going to be coaching. We're building a course, et cetera. Excellent. My, don't, don't do it yourself. You know, whether you can create a partnership. So if you, your video guy could get his license or girl could get their license, you can build a team together. Um, now I have ideas of how I'd structure that. Uh, you can, there's a, a prominent YouTuber that has a videographer on staff. So he pays what 60, 70,000 a year. Now you're talking a real estate YouTuber, right? Real estate YouTuber, right? So yeah. imagine right now, Will, if I come into Ohio and I say, Will, you, you produce pretty well. You you have 60,000 on the books you, and it's in Ohio, so you could find someone. So they're going to manage all these podcasts, upload it, create the thumbnails, do all that. You're going to go out once a week and create videos and content and shoot in studio content. They're going to copyright, uh, create the thumbnails, upload, manage the analytics, SEO optimize, do that. They're, they're going to build out the coaching funnel for you, create content on a separate YouTube channel, do that. And, you know, it's if you ever read a book called Who, Not How, simply put, be the agent, be the expert, and then find who, not how. Find someone to be the back-end YouTuber for you, and you're just the on-camera personality and, and creative director, right? So, like, I, I direct the content, um, how, you know, I, I give my creative influence to it, but I don't do any of the technical stuff. It, it, I wouldn't have YouTube if, if it was up to me to edit and upload and do all this stuff. Right. So let's just, let's drill down a little bit. Let's assume you've got, cause I do know this cause I'm a, probably as cynical as you are. You could have this great <laughs> choreographer, all the right equipment, but if you're posting stuff that isn't going to be interesting to people, cause YouTube, what I do know is that YouTube is actually a search engine now. So people use YouTube to find out about all sorts of stuff, including finding a home. So what are some of the, th assuming you've got the design and all of that in place, or if you might wanna do it on your phone, whatever, that's, you know, that's a secondary issue. What kind of content are you, when you say be knowledgeable, are you posting stuff about living in Oahu? Or are you posting just stuff about finances? or about the real estate process or a combination of all of that? Yeah, good question. So actually the more technical the content, the lower the performance. People, long form content is amazing. People, so I grab my phone and sit on the toilet or lay back at the end of a long day and like scroll through cats, you know, knocking hot water <laughs> on people or whatever. That's like simple calories. It's, it's, it's simple carbs, right? Right, right, right. 15 seconds at a time, whatever. Long form content, like the video we just posted today, the average, or no, we posted it two days ago. Average view duration is 15 minutes right now. Wow, um, that's excellent. So that means there's to a keep, bunch so, of people To keep anyone's it. attention for 15 minutes is insane now. Right. And so they're there. Like you go to LinkedIn for one thing. You go to Instagram for another, TikTok for another, Facebook for, you go to Facebook to like, 
argue about politics and be in Facebook groups. <laughs> like that's right, right, what, that's right. what Facebook's for, right? Yeah. YouTube is a search engine, as you said. And so there's a, there's a fine line between entertaining and giving knowledge. What people want, it, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube for real estate is first and foremost, a relocation tool. So yes, you're not the Ohioans that live in Akron and they're like, it's time to upgrade. They don't go to YouTube because they already know about Akron, right? The person that's moving to Akron from Silicon Valley because their tech company went to Akron or whatever, they're the people that are like, I need to learn the most nuanced, scrutinized, you know, cynical perspective you possibly can. Like, yeah, you know, this this street over here, you know, a lot of people like it. The reason why I don't like it is because these trees, they drop this sticky stuff and your car gets all messed up and I'm a car guy and people, people YouTube like rewards... YouTube rewards nuance and authenticity. And usually, like if we're just at a dinner party and talking about, uh, you know, what do you do for a living? Uh, how are your investments going? Like people don't want to get nuanced. It's actually kind of offensive and off-putting. But if you're in this, in this moving mode that I'm going to relocate to Ohio or Florida or whatever, you have this insatiable appetite for, for, detail. for nuance, nuance and detail. And, uh, you know, and storytelling. So it builds trust in a way because I can walk around Hawaii and say, I actually met my wife over there. Uh, we were, it's, it's crazy. Like we were drinking and I, I had seen her before and, you know, just tell stories and people like, wow, you're a real dude, you know? So I, I intentionally will not dress up usually for real for YouTube. I'll wear a t-shirt or I'll, I'll, I'll wear slippers, like flip-flops. We call it yeah. slippers here in Hawaii. Yeah. And because that's what people are expecting. They want like a real Hawaiian human. Right. So that, that's right, what I right. give them. And uh, as far as what videos to make, like, you know, list videos. So the five things you need to know, seven pros and cons. We just released a video called cons and cons. Um, and then neighborhood tours. One thing that was so now that whoever's listening to this, there's probably a YouTuber already in your city to separate yourself from them. You know, a lot of those people are doing list videos and in-studio stuff like this. And, you know, five reasons why and why you, 10 things to know before buying a house. Everyone can do that. When you get out and go in the neighborhood and show like, well, see how this neighborhood has sidewalks because it was a planned community. It was developed in the eighties when planned communities are kind of a thing. This neighborhood's really nice. But since it was developed in the 50s and they're more mid-century modern, like there's actually no sidewalk. So if you're a big runner, you might not like this neighborhood because you're more likely to get hit by a car. Oh. If you can get out in the neighborhood and say these things, people are like, oh my God, I would have never been able to learn this without your channel, Will, or whatever. So, so you want to be able to show them stuff like you would if you were out showing them homes. Like if it was your cousin, you know, like here's here's the thing. Everyone out there who's going to listen to this, I want to ask you, what are the best types of people to work with? Like, if you could get any lead type, what would it be? And most people are going to say referrals. Well, I would say number one is past clients. Number two is YouTube. Referrals are under YouTube YouTube leads. And I don't even call them leads. I call them clients. I agree with you because there's, a, there's an inherent trust because there's like a celebrity status. Because if they're the kind of person who puts trust in YouTube, then they're going to also build trust with YouTube. And by the time they actually meet you, because I've talked to other realtors and, and people in other fields that use YouTube, and if they do it well, by the time they meet the customer or the client, that person all, is already completely pre-sold on them. Do you find that it's to be a the done case? Deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got someone called me the other day and said, hey, I've been watching you for a long time. Um I didn't want to call you before we were pre-approved because I didn't want to waste your time, but we just got our pre-approval and we want to write an offer on this house. Yeah. And, uh, and so referrals are people, there's a new paradigm and I, I want to disrupt the entire industry and, um, and, and push this paradigm, but referrals were the best lead source because you weren't competing with anyone, but you still had to earn trust. You, oh, you yeah. still had to earn trust, but you just weren't competing. And in the old age of real estate, and I don't mean to say that, you know, the old age, but in the, when internet wasn't available and YouTube wasn't available to build trust on the front end before you, they connected with you, 
that was the best. Like you get a lead that you're not competing with. The Zillow would give you a lead and you, you weren't competing. Then every, almost every agent would, would kill for that. But imagine if you weren't competing and they were already at the hundredth level of trust, that's even better. And that's what YouTube does. I believe that. And one of the reasons in the past that referrals were so important, even for the consumer, was because they didn't have vehicles like YouTube or Zillow or any other searchable database. So they And they didn't want to go to the phone book, which was their only other option. So <laughs> a, a personal referral from someone who used Derek is like, oh, thank goodness, at least we know one person. But I've found that uh, review sites like Google, if you've got a lot of reviews on there, most people, even older people now, will put far more weight on an agent who is, has a lot of reviews, or in your case, has a lot of videos with a lot of views than they will on one personal referral. Because your buddy who used an agent, maybe he's got different standards than you do. But if you can see yeah. that someone's actually got a YouTube channel and they're taking it seriously and they're all in, or they have, or both, they have a lot of reviews online as well, then it's not just one person's opinion and the trust level skyrockets. Yeah, for sure. So re reviews are a form of currency and a version social of your proof. resume. And YouTube social is a major social proof um, vehicle, I think. Here's, here's the thing too, Will, you can't hide. Uh, if, I, if you right. and I make a thousand of these podcasts, I might be more polished and a little more kind now but eventually that other side of me is going to come out or the other side like you can't hide if you've made a thousand hours of content and so people feel like yeah i've watched this guy for months now i finally got my orders i'm getting stationed at pearl harbor or whatever and and they're like yeah he's got to be who he's saying on youtube like you can't you can't pretend for that long that often you know you're exactly right yeah yeah that's awesome so what is a YouTube customer like? What does that look like for you? Like you, you make these videos, you get views. What does it look like for you as the agent where you're actually getting, do, you, do they call you? Do they send you a message? Like, do they just reach out and say, hey man, saw you on YouTube and I want you to help us buy a house or I want you to sell our house for us? It's, it's a variety of things, right? So <clears throat> if I could do everything over and what I'll teach people as we're coaching uh, in the future, is I would lead everyone into one incubation source. So I, I was just, I didn't know if the thing was going to work. Um, I was just excited to have clients. So yeah, exactly. I would, uh, I would say things like, Hey, just call me, text me, slide in my DM, send me a, a pigeon messenger, like whatever, just, just contact me. And once we got to the point where some days we get like 10 leads in a day, wow. um, I was like, shoot, I probably should have funneled them all in either one email or one phone that was outsourced to a call center or whatever. But uh, um, they come in a variety of stages. We, oh, here's the thing, renters. Don't let me forget to tell you about renters. But uh, people do everything from, from calling and say, hey, I just love your channel. I'm not even looking to buy anything. I just want to give you your flowers to, I want to buy this today with cash. Like we've had all of the, you know, and everything in between. So it's still the the thing about YouTube that feeds the YouTuber's ego and we, we brag on is how quality the leads are and how far down the funnel they are once you once you speak to them. But there's still people that are top of funnel that you're gonna follow for 12 months and you still could be competing, especially in a 12-month period. So the more refined your business is and the better your systems are, the higher your conversion rate's gonna be. Makes sense. Or or you don't have to be that good, man. I've seen some YouTube channels. They're not that good, but they're just consistent. They're detailed. And uh, they, they, just they just focus on the cream, you know? They just focus on people that are ready to buy today. And if you're a solo agent, so you, you don't have partners and you don't have expenses and probably don't even use a CRM, you can make a good living just doing that too. And what, what kind of content these days? Have you, have you knocked any stuff out that you did before that you find is worthless now? Um, I, that, that I don't do. Like looking uh, back, is there anything that you've, I mean, as you've evolved, cause you seem like a guy that evolves. Is there anything that you um, are posting now that you didn't before or stuff that you used to, but didn't get much from it and you've changed? Because you're probably trying to concentrate on the type of content that you post, correct? You're not just going all over the place. 
so where so one thing you can do with youtube is you can look up people's search terms and you give the audience what they want so you can look at what is your audience searching for and then make videos that cater that how do you how do you do that for an idiot like me how do you search search terms um so there's a thing called tubebuddy tubebuddy i've heard of that yeah i mostly leverage that stuff out and, and we don't really do it that much um we being the profile of myself and my partner who's on the videos with me a lot we're we're just kind of nuanced and in depth and we just we make videos that we want to and it, and it works for us now if i were starting a channel and i wanted to get you the results you know wanted to get you to a point of sale as quickly as possible i'd do a little more optimization and keyword research but um you know, like I said, it's been an art form for us and we love the creative process. So we've more, we've done a little bit of rip off and duplicate and see what other YouTubers are doing, but we, we kind of just make the videos we want to. And in fact, we've innovated and done some things that other YouTubers don't. So we have a mix of podcasts, list videos, neighborhood tours. I put my team members on, we run our own commercials. So I funnel people into a home value website through our own commercials instead of turning. You run on. YouTube ads like the ones that I see on videos. No, so what's a commercial? So we, so we are monetized, but only on the front. So you can monetize YouTube. We get the ads on the front and on the back, and we get a little bit of money from that. We're actually going to give most of it away this year to a family in need. Um, that's oh, not wow, that's amazing. On making money, but um we don't run ads in the middle of our videos. Now YouTube can decide to do that there themselves, but we don't want our, our, we don't want people clicking off because that's a prompt to click off. Right. Um, but we run our own ads. So there'll be a break and be like, Hey, this is Derek Wakashi. Um, quick, quick, quick break. This, uh, if you're, if you're local, cause we know we get a bunch of local people. If you think about selling, go to my Hawaii home value.com or whatever. Um, so you'll put your own the main ad. You'll put your own commercial in the middle of your own video. Yeah. And so ah. we, yeah, so That's we cool. do that. Yeah, we do that. And what I would say, we don't have like types of content that we no longer shoot. But what I, the refinement process has really been doing what they said to do, be authentic and be real. So at the beginning, some of my videos sound a little inauthentic and pitchy to me. So there's some of our old videos I don't like because all I was doing was just copying someone else. And I was like, in this video we're yeah, gonna go yeah, over yeah. and i look back at it and i kind of cringe um so you're not getting real sudden, animated like they tell you to do I don't, no i just I, I people can sniff that out so quickly yeah, you know and that's really if there's one takeaway if you want to start youtube i mean use leverage don't be the youtuber find who not how etc but um and you know buy our course and all that good stuff but um, right be just speak just like this you know i mean be the best version of your real and authentic self bring the energy and all, all that but they're like hey guys so you're thinking about moving to ohio and you want to know the five things well i got them for you like don't do yeah. that it, people it'll work because youtube's so effective but i start be a completely different person um yes so i'm they, like when they meet you yeah, you won't be that guy, right? And they they just you feel like a realtor. And people people don't like, you know, being sold, being pitched. And so I usually I'm just like, all right, guys, so uh today we're gonna talk about and then i and I might be like, shoot, uh all right, let me restart that. Today we're gonna talk about five things that I, I really don't like about Hawaii. It's hard for me to say, to speak negatively about Hawaii because I do love it so much. But I'm going to try and get negative for you guys. And uh, don't be surprised if I throw in some positive things too. So, uh, all right, first, you know, it's just, it's more like how I would talk to your cousin if you referred me to your cousin or something, you know? Yeah, and when you talk to them for the first time on the phone or what have you, they're like, dude, why sh I can move to Akron or Cincinnati and you're in Akron and just have that conversation with them. Yeah, just just be as real as possible and use leverage. I mean, like that that could be the whole podcast, you know. But, How often do you uh, post? Once we only post once a week. Now, if I were starting a channel, I would probably do a string of videos, like three, four, or five, on the first post, and get people to binge, and then I would proceed to do two per week after okay. that. Okay. Um, and I would have all of those pre-shot. I would take a month or so. 
depending on your your output and how quickly you can build the library. But I take about a month to prepare twenty to thirty videos, and okay. then after that, I post for I post twice a week if I can keep it up, um, but at least once a week. Once a week is sufficient if you if you give good content. So what's next for Derek in terms of your business? Where do you want like? Obviously, you've, how many people do you have on your team now? It's three. Um, it depends how you look at it. You know, I've I now have three virtual assistants. Um, but in terms of agents, myself, how many licensed agents do you have? My main agent and just three. Yeah, three, three. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. So what's uh, what's the next step? Four, for including you? me. Four, including me. Um, you know, that's the thing. Like as you and I have spoke about is scaling is a it's a it's a it's tough scaling is tough and as i've learned more about these big mega teams across the country i learned more about their diminishing returns and so where i'm at right now in my thought process of real estate and teams is being in that in between being in that like five to to 10 or 15 agent range is kind of the the the, the most spot. dangerous place to be I actually think it's more dangerous. So I think that to have 10 or 15 people that want your energy, your training, and half of them are probably going to fall off and try and take your secrets, et cetera. That's a lot to manage and not enough return. And people, you know, big team leaders margins are between like five and 20% on the team production, maybe not on the personal, but on the team production. So I think you should either stay small, consider the way you've built it and having a couple of dedicated uh, employee type agents. Yeah, I've got or, three. Or you got to scale big. You got to scale big to where you can afford an operations manager, a marketing manager, uh, ISA. ISA, ISA lead that has ISAs under them. So you either have to scale big enough to where that makes sense, or you stay sweet and small with a higher margin. But, you know, in real estate, there's a lot of ego. I have my ego. And it can feed the ego to build a team. Oh, I got 20. I got 20 people that want to follow me. But there's diminishing returns. Each person you you bring on is taking something away. And if they're not adding and multiplying to what you're doing, maybe you should consider not doing it and just rethinking your whole model. So where I'm at today, uh, especially the market's contracting right now, we have less offers being written. Now, I don't want to participate in the contracting market, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm not looking at scaling up really big right now. I'm looking at keeping these these few people that we have and really impacting their lives and changing their lives. And I agree. Keeping them as multipliers of what we're doing. And um, if we find another great human that fits what we're doing. And here's the thing. I could have a young Will Penny or a young, uh, you know, Brian Buffini or someone like a young, great person that wanted, wants to join our team. But it just might not be the right marriage for us. And so if they're not the perfect fit, like that'd be an absolutely amazing fit. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. And um, we could probably close more. I could probably introduce Zillow Flex. I could probably buy more leads and do more deals, but with diminishing returns and maybe not with the lifestyle I want. So with me, it's about work-life balance. And uh, most we've ever had is six. I actually had another, one of my very best friends uh, when I had my own company, um, he was at, he brought his team. So between the two of us, we sold like 256 homes, but the problem is that put pressure on my closing coordinator. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. and, and when you bring someone like that over, they want all the money. So it's like, when you, when you, when you've got a small, like my tight knit group there, we're loyal friends. So I haven't had the turnover once it gets beyond a friend and it becomes about the commission, just the commission split. And if it was right for them, then it ends up becoming a treadmill. And I, I've been through enough contracting markets, like five or six in my long career that when this happens, when, when the real estate market slumps, it's not going to crash by any means, but let's say we lose 15% of the transactions, you end up losing 30 or 40% of the realtors because it hits mm -hmm. them the most. So then guys sure. like you, you end up becoming one, you, you get pushed to the top. It's like the sea level drops and you're the, and you're the iceberg, right? So the last time the market crashed during the big crash, my business actually tripled the following, like in 2010, because we lost wow. literally half of the realtors. 
So whenever you mm -hmm. have a contraction, it impacts the number of realtors more so than the number of transactions because it's a market tightens. But when these these big teams, when they've got a you know 50 agents doing 10 deals each or 15 deals each, now in your market, 15 deals each, they're making a half a million bucks. But you know, in most <laughs> markets in the United States, they're making 150, 200. Or you've got a bunch of agents making under a hundred thousand, and they're the they're like the bread and butter in your team. When the market contracts, you end up having a lot of high fixed costs because you had it before. Two closing coordinators, an ISA you're paying a salary to, all of that office space, and then as the market contracts, you have these agents that are making forty, fifty, sixty grand a year dart out and go get another job, and, yeah. and then you can't adjust quickly enough and. That's not something I ever wanted to be a part of. But my way, you know, my little uh, team is like the Navy SEAL team, like Jeff Cohn calls it, um, is com that's just my way of doing things because I don't want to be in the babysitting business. And once you get a big team, you're in the you're pretty much a CEO and you're in the employee business. You're not in the housing yeah, so business anymore. What the big team leader would say to you is, well, you're you're not as leveraged as I am and you can't uh, detach yourself at the level I can or whatever. And there's probably Maybe some truth so. to that, but, yeah. but you're not a person that really wants to. Like you like the business, you want to yeah. do the deals, be a part of it. And so I would say that's fine. If the people I see, and you know, I've been, uh, I've been talking to a bunch of team leaders on the nation recently yeah. and they, uh, the people have these big mega teams for one, they love it. Like they like the, the identity of being a 200, a 400, a $600 million producer, but it's semantics, right? Cause like, what's your take home? And right. they like systems and management and having people and they want to spend their time doing that. And they want to be leveraged to have an operations manager because like at, at eight people, I might not be able to afford a hundred grand salary for ops. Right. But at, at 70 people, I can, and I'm leveraged and I'm out on my boat while the team is running and my name's not on contracts, but I'm calling myself a producer. Like, it's just a different thing. And I would say, if that's what makes the, those guys happy, do it. I don't have a knack for systems and managing people the way that those guys probably do. Um, so, I, you know, do you, Will, do you think that there are like, multiple seven figure teams so like 200 300 400 million dollar teams that have a model that you would ever want that have like an intimacy and a and a team culture that's controllable at a level you'd want no not for me but that's because of my personality because i tend to have i tend to get a look on my face similar to the one you probably get when someone makes demands <laughs> of me i shut it down pretty quickly and when someone tells me what I need to do or that I'm there for them, I tend to not do well in situations like that. So I, I yeah. never, and, and like I've told other big team leaders, you're going to spend your days doing certain things. So whether you're talking to buyers and sellers, realtors, lenders, whatever it is you're doing, um, you're going to be spending your time doing dollar producing activities. And if that dollar producing activity is overseeing the contracts or uh, overseeing agents, the bottom line for me is always have, I mean, if you got to work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week, and if you're taking home, whatever, you know, a high six figure income or what, whatever it is, you, it, for me, it seems a lot more controllable than having a mega team and they're, the team leader's making 400 grand a year. And then when the market shrinks, like all their all profit expenses. goes away because they've got these fixed costs that they can't get rid of. Right? Yeah. So, so, you know, one thing, and they, could argue leveraged, with that. they could banter with us on that, but I don't care. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just choose, choose the life you want. Right. And be aware of Make sure you're not building a team. Like some people want to go into management in the W2. I used to want to, I look back on it and I realized why I was never picked as the manager. Cause I'm not a good, I was picked as like the lead, the subject matter expert in x-ray, but I was never made the manager. Cause looking back on it, I wouldn't have been the best manager. Um, so don't, don't do it because that's what you're supposed to do because the ego is feeding it because that's the, the promotion track that you're, you know, you're supposed to set for yourself. 
do it because it makes sense for how you want to spend your time. It's like, you know, what you're saying. But if you, if you wanted to be super leveraged, be Zillow Flex. So create this huge YouTube platform, create all these leads, relationships, create it in a way in which you don't even do transactions. You just leverage it to a team that you partner with yeah. and own, own the lead funnel and don't own any of the results. Now, someone, you know, with my skill level and my propensity, I could, most of our deals that fall off, if I were doing the deal, I bet you they wouldn't. Right. But that that's also not scalable, right? You make a decision a though, once time. you start to scale that you can't, you can't micromanage and you can't look at people like they're not doing it as well as you because that yeah, becomes yes. toxic. That becomes toxic. And, and to be fair to the couple of the women on my team, like, frankly, they just do a better job with certain clients than I ever could because they have a different touch. One oh, comes yeah. a little bit more. Me of a, too. A, yeah. So one of them is a little bit more of an athletic woman who's just a, a hard worker and amazing. One has a little sweeter, softer touch, but can't handle as many clients at a time. So we, we really have a small, well-rounded little family, but um, if if I wanted to leverage and just let somebody else's real estate team close these deals, my leads would be better than Zillow leads. They'd be warmer. They'd be more qualified. On average, our price point's higher. Um, I could just record videos once a month and batch shoot and then go to Mexico. And right. so you can and do now this you're out of the real estate business and you're like an effective agent or an ideal agent you're then just a lead gen company and that's if i had to do it over i don't know maybe i'd do that or maybe i'll go to another market and do that i'm looking at a few other markets i want to be in so yeah. that's not a bad way to do youtube as well no but the one i know um there is a pattern though because i know a lot of agents that are youtube agents and they just have a small little team and they have a happy life and they just do do what they're good at, and they're not trying to they're not trying to own the world, you know. Because yeah. in my world, whether I make three hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand or a million, my life chain doesn't change because I'm not even spending three hundred thousand. So right. you know, you have to decide what's important. If you've got relationships in your life, you got to think about your kids and your wife or your husband or whatever, uh, your parents, your relationships. Because the more you take on, not you, but the more we take on as agents. Yeah then there's always something that you give away. Yeah, it's it's so. learning learning to be a business person in real estate and not a realtor trying to do business is is another I think paradigm shift for people. Right. So producing and scaling two different things. Realtors doing business and business people doing real estate, they smell and look different, they are different. And um you know that so I'm in this elite group of like top agents in the country and there's this one person and she's always like, I'm, you know, solo agent and I, I did all this and I, but, and then she's like, but I'm close to a nervous breakdown. I can't take it anymore, but I don't want leverage. I don't want people working with me, but I do want a sellable business that I can sell as an asset, but I not don't want happen. any help. I don't want systems. It's not going to happen. And I'm like, you're addicted to your, your ego, ego. right? Like you, yeah and so which is fine yeah. but just just accept what you have she makes a lot of money she can probably yeah. bring in a couple of employees to get some of her evenings and weekends back which is what i did and mm -hmm. but don't try to trick yourself into thinking you got something you don't have right right and yeah just be that like be be the obsessed solo agent who runs themselves into the ground for a number of years, make some good investments, create some passive income. And if you ever need to throw your hands up and take a break, you have that income. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. If you're You've a great, or something, agent attract and do that or, you know, whatever, whatever feeds your lifestyle. But uh, trying to be something you're not, I think, is what creates the pain in this industry. And I'm, I'm still learning it myself. And uh, luckily, I have good mentors and people to bounce stuff off of like you. Um so yeah, we're figuring it out, but YouTube's the way and uh, being obsessed, skilled professional in this industry. How do people find you on social? Uh, you know, my name's probably hard for people. My my name is Derek Okahashi. D-E-R-R-I-C-K, uh, -E -R -R right? No, no, D-E-R-E-K. Oh, it's uh, D-E-R-E-K. All right. Yeah, then O-K-A-H-A-S-H-I. -O um, we have a group that we just started and we're building called seven figure YouTube agents uh, or seven figure YouTube for agents. And um, 
on Facebook, I'm Derek Bokashi as well. Uh, I would actually prefer if you're going to, please don't look me up and call my phone. I get so many calls. Um, if you want to shoot me a text, that's fine. Uh, social media is really good because it's a great placeholder for when busy people can get back to the conversation. But uh, I love connecting with people, man. And as, as yeah, I, I do too. more podcasts I'm enjoying like that this, more than I am selling houses, honestly. I really like having relationships with agents like you and some of my other friends and helping them grow and we collaborate. I've really enjoyed evolving into that over the last year or so. Yeah, so there's this other big agent that talks about, you know, solo agent and how much they're keeping and making for themselves. And I think that's beautiful. That person doesn't have kids. Uh, that person doesn't that's have a wife thing, yeah. and actually they have a girlfriend, but um, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is I have a couple of people who've made a lot of money with me and I'm very proud of it. And it's, I'd rather make 500,000 and have these people make, you know, 250 a piece or, whatever the the breakdown would be then not because like this this um my number one agent on my team her name's mahe uh yeah i Hawaiian met her she's name. awesome yeah yeah and so she was sleeping on a bunk bed you know went through a divorce rock bottom in life sleeping on a bunk bed in her family house and hawaii houses aren't like you know ohio houses we're talking right. about small small little houses that someone would consider shacks and sleeping on a bunk bed with her kids. So her and her son on the bottom, daughter on the top, knew she had the grit, knew that she was willing to work hard and just do anything that had to happen and just needed that right partner. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like when you're ready, the teacher appears. Well, when I was ready, the mentee appeared. And um, we, man, her life is just so different now. We cry together. We, uh, we, we share, you know, experiences together and that's awesome um, and now she's doing she's, great uh, right she's she's she just came back so thanksgiving was a few days ago she went to a small island in our island chain called molokai and it's the first time her family had been together all of them together in years and uh she cried about it in our team meeting yesterday telling us wow. how this is the first time that she's been together with her family since she's you know been doing well professionally and, and mentally you know and so um the way that someone who I care about the way that her life has changed because of YouTube, because of real estate, because of, and it's not just that, like, I'm like, you got to read rich dad. You got to listen to these podcasts. You got to right. tell me what a cap rate is and cash on cash. And, and what would you do if you were investing? Would you hire the ISA or would you not? And here's the ROI. And now being able to mentor this person um, and change their life is amazing. And uh, it's fantastic. And I don't know that there's a thousand people on this island that I can do that for, but I'm sure there's a thousand people across the country that I could help have that effect for. So that's, uh, that's special to me. And um, I'm just looking forward to doing it with more people uh, uh, globally and nationally. Well, you're a special guy, man. Thanks for taking the time uh, to be on here today. And I appreciate you being your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. All Thank right. Thanks, much. everybody, for joining us today. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll continue bring, bringing rock stars like Derek to you uh, in the future. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building Stronger Agents podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review and share our podcast with your friends.